the year 1968 was especially uh, difficult for this nation. Uh, there was division across the country, unrest, uh, there were riots, uh, there were two assassinations. In the spring of that year, Martin Luther King was assassinated, and then in the summer, Robert Kennedy Jr. was assassinated. And uh, in many ways, things haven't been the same since. But you back up from 1968, 1900 years before, in Rome. And you find a situation very similar, and yet even more important and more impactful. Uh, Rome is in a cesspool of its own sordid sin and depravity. Uh, there is corruption from the top to the bottom. Uh, there was unrest. <laughs> there were riots. Uh, there was a fire that almost destroyed the city, uh, which we still haven't determined the cause of, the source of, the reason for. But also in that period, mid-portion of the 60s A.D., you find the death of two of the most prominent men the world has ever seen, save Jesus. Both the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul are executed. Uh, many believe in the same year, there are many scholars uh, who believe on the same day they're put to death. Both for the same reason, they're defenders of the gospel of Christ. They're urgent in their appeal to others to join them in serving Jesus Christ. And they both lose their lives because of it. And even though it's interesting to uh, transfix those two dates of 68 in our nation and the mid-60s, 63, 64 of the first century, there's more to that than just the fact of the deaths of interesting and prominent men. But in the case of uh, that death of Peter and Paul, it's not just that they died, but why they died, and especially in terms of our understanding this morning, of what they said before they died. Uh, we tend to pay special attention to the words uh, that we hear last from our loved ones, from those we respect, and sometimes the words don't amount to all that uh, much. Uh, Oscar Wilde, who died uh, deeply in debt, said at his last, I'm dying beyond my means. Well, that was true, but it didn't really change the course of history. And he did. Uh, Pancho Villa ended his life with his last words saying, tell them I said something. And then he breathed his last. Well, that didn't change the course of history either. I understand one man, and, uh, and uh, I know my father said he visited a gravestone uh, where his last words were etched there upon the stone, and the words were, I told you I was sick, Elizabeth. Well, perhaps true, but not life-changing. But oftentimes the words spoken last have a special weight and meaning and significance, as was the case with Peter and with Paul. 
And I think all of us would have to agree that considering the New Testament church of that first century era, uh, no name save Jesus stood out as prominently among the church, representing God's people as the names of Peter and Paul. And before they died, they both said some things, interestingly enough, much the same things. We just read together from Peter's epistle where he speaks of his soon-to-come decease. He's soon, as he says, to put off this tent, this tabernacle, this body. He's soon to leave this life and death. And he wants them to remember what he's told them before. He will tell them that uh, they have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who saved them from glory. Virtue is Jesus the Christ. He reminds them they should speak, if they speak at all, by the oracles of God. Peter wants them never to forget what they've been taught and to stay true to what they know is true. And likewise, the Apostle Paul said much the same things in the last letter he writes, 2 Timothy, to his young son in the faith, this one he's so proud of and has such hopes for, after he's gone, he wants Timothy to continue what Paul has been doing. But in the third chapter, he tells Timothy, continue. Continue in the things you've learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them, that from a child you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete in every good work. He goes on to say, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead at his appearing, and his kingdom preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Now, slightly different language, but exactly the same point is made by both men. They didn't just say something significant as their life was coming to a close. Uh, Peter, we believe, uh, was crucified, uh, many say head downward. Uh, Paul, we believe, was beheaded by order of Nero Caesar. Close to the same time, if not perhaps the same day. But they both said the same thing as their last message to get across to people like you and me all these years later. And the words were not Always be looking for some new way to do things. Uh, the words were not, take a good long look at your demographics and make your decisions based upon that. He didn't say, pay a special close attention to the budget and give your attention to that. He said, remember what you've been taught. And Peter says, don't leave it. After I'm gone, remember what you've been taught. 
remember this knowledge of Jesus Christ, these oracles of God, this word of God which has built you up and has you where you are at present. Keep with it. Stay with it. Don't lose it. Don't surrender it. In fact, you might remember the last words Peter writes in the last chapter of his second epistle. 2 Peter chapter 3, the last verse. And he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the last of the last things he has to say. Grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I remember one time Gus Nichols made the comment that when he was asked the question, why do the brethren so often go far afield from what they ought to be doing or what they ought to be teaching, what they ought to be about? And he said quite simply, the brethren do as they're taught. They'll do better when they're taught better. And they will never do better unless they are taught better. Well, that's somewhat what Peter's saying. He realizes he can't be in this world forever. Flesh is temporary. Life is short. Death is certain. Eternity is looming before us. Uh, Peter realizes he won't be here forever, and so after he's gone, he has an interest in what happens next. He doesn't want some church erected in his honor, uh, some statue put up commemorating him and his work. He doesn't want his name across some building. He wants, after he's gone, for the brethren to remember what they've been taught and stay true to it. And Paul was the same way. Now, Paul's life in Christ was a, a difficult one. Fraught with many blessings, he talks about the joy he has in Christ, but so many adversaries, so many difficulties of pain and anguish and torture. He talks about being shipwrecked more than once, being stoned, being beaten with rods, receiving a scourging on more than one occasion. A difficult life in Christ. And here he's about to lose his life in martyrdom. He speaks of the fact that he is already being offered, as it were, as a drink offering. The time of his departure, he says to Timothy, is at hand. He says, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished the course. There's a, a prize waiting me, a reward ahead of him. Not just to me, he says, but to all them also which love the appearing of Christ. He realizes he's soon to leave this life. And what does he tell Timothy with his last words? You continue in what you've known. And just like Peter, he doesn't want Timothy to be talking about Paul after Paul's gone. He doesn't say, put a good word into others about me. Remind them of all I've done. He says, no, you continue in the word you've known. He doesn't say build an altar to me or make a statue in my honor. He says you continue in what you've learned and what you've been assured of. And he reminds Timothy, his young son of the faith, of 
of the beginning of that young boy's faith. He's made mention earlier in his writing to Timothy how the same faith that was in Timothy was in his mother, his grandmother, and still resided and grew in Timothy. You keep that faith. You stay true to that word, knowing of whom you've learned it. You stay true to it. Reminding Timothy that all the scripture. Now at the time Paul writes this to Timothy, the bulk of scripture was Old Testament scripture in a very real way. In a very real way, Timothy lived with Scripture in working with Paul because Paul's works and words were inspired Scripture. But the Scripture Paul is talking about primarily is the Old Testament, which assured him of the coming Christ, those prophecies that paved the way for Christ who would one day come. But he doesn't just mention the Old Testament. He says all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Now, interestingly enough, Peter, writing about the writings of Paul in the last chapter of 2 Peter, refers to Paul's writings as Scripture. And so whether it's Old or New Testament, this book or that throughout the entire Bible, it is all the Scripture, the inspired writing, that God-breathed message from God through men to all of us, and the Bible says it's all from God. And because of that, everything we need to grow and become everything God wants us to be, everything we need is there. You want to know how to be saved? Well, look in the Bible. Well, but my preacher said, no, look in the Bible. But but I saw this commercial on television. No, just read your Bible. Well, what does the church consist of? What is the church? Well, I read this article once. I read this book once. No, have you read the Bible? Well, what should the church be about? What's the purpose of the church's existence? What should the church be doing? Well, I went to a seminar one time. Well, that may be a good idea, but what does the Bible say? All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it is profitable for teaching, for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, that's all of us, men and women of God, Christian people, God's people, that we all might be perfect, that is complete, mature, becoming everything God wants us to be. How do we get there? by the inspired word of God. And so as Paul is soon to leave this life, he, he says in almost his last written breath, he says to Timothy, you continue. Continue in that. It's interesting that as you chart the course of religious history, from the time of Jesus to the early first century church, and then forward for some centuries all the way down to the present hour in 2024, that you can mark not with a straight line, but in ups and downs and successes and failures of peoples who do and do not, who choose and choose not to live up to what God's Word says. 
And yes, there is a straight line there between now and then, and that word is that line. God's word is that straight line. You want to get in 2024 to where God wants you now? You get there by the word which built people up back in the time of Peter. Uh, the word which was inspired in the days of Paul. The word which made men and women of God perfect and complete back all those years ago, that same word does that same thing today. But through history, every time men have strayed away from it, they've either ceased to be as a people or they become so corrupted they can barely be recognized as Bible-believing people. Putting their names, their creeds, their beliefs, their ideologies ahead of what the Bible clearly says. Now, I'm about to say something that uh, you may disagree with, but stay with me. The Bible is not that difficult to understand. Oh, yes, but boy, there are passages that are more difficult to understand. The wonderful thing about those passages, they are not salvation-based passages. I just had never have figured out what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. I wonder what it was. The Bible just doesn't tell us. I, I just don't know that, and I disagree with my friend on what it was. Well, it doesn't matter, because it doesn't say and uh, you may wonder about that, but uh, your soul doesn't depend upon it. But when it comes to matters of going to heaven, what God wants you to do to enjoy salvation, what God wants you to be as a Christian, living the Christian life, what God wants us as his church to be, as his people, his family, Christ's body, all of these things are so simple it's almost impossible to miss them unless we want to miss them. And what Paul tells Timothy and what Peter tells those of his readers all those centuries ago is the same thing they both continue to tell us today all these centuries later. Continue in what you've learned. Remember what you've been taught. Stay with the word of God. Now, if it meant that much for Paul to say it just before he died, if it meant that much for Peter to say it just before he died, don't you think it has some significance to you and to me and the Lord's church today? Remember what you've been taught and stay with it. The things that matter do. The things that matter most are so simple. The question is not that we understand them. The question is, are we willing to submit to them? Which brings us to the end of this lesson. And I'll ask you this morning, have you submitted to the word of God, to the Christ of the Bible? Have you become a Christian? Have you ever, because of your faith, turned away in repentance from sin, confessed your faith in Christ, and just as the Bible says, been baptized for the salvation of your soul. Or as a Christian, perhaps you've strayed away from this word 
which is so clear. You've lived a life far afield from what the Bible teaches and need to come back and ask the Lord's forgiveness and the prayers of the church. If you need to come this morning, please do so now as together we stand and sing. This world is not...